We are back for another episode of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, I'm Jason Floyd. That is Daniel Galvanes. We're here to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. And Daniel, we have our first UFC pay-per-view of 2024 on Saturday night. And uh, Sean Strickland already making the headlines. Yeah, I think for DDP, if he wants to get in Sean Strickland's head, maybe just ask him a tough question about LGBTQ rights or trans rights and It'll throw Sean Strickland off. Uh, yeah, that's kind of the headline on Twitter for the day. Uh, but that's kind of what Sean Strickland is. That's how he acts. I don't personally agree with his viewpoints. Um, pretty messy situation, but that's the Sean Strickland world, bro. Look, unfortunately, I, I'm not agreeing with what he said, but I also cast blame on the reporter. That reporter wanted that answer. I mean, when, when you bring up that question you're looking for that type of response. Like, like, what did you, like, what did you think Colby Covington was going to do? You think he was going to take the easy way out of that question? Or did you think he was going to come and attack you? Like this to me is the problem with media in 2024. It's about getting that viral clip as opposed to asking a question that I'm sorry. Like I I know who that reporter is got respect for him, but like, what did you think was going to happen? I don't know. I mean, I did like, I disagree in terms of like, this is what's wrong with media. I mean, I get what you're saying. Like we often see media try and get something that's just for the clicks, just for the headline. But it's like Sean Strickland said something pretty, pretty crappy. Uh, Hold him accountable to what he said. I mean, when you look at what he said for this man that professes freedom and America and everything, I mean, I think in America, the most beautiful thing is to be free to be who you are, to be free to be comfortable to be gay. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's like, bro, Sean, do you not like freedom? But uh, that's kind of my viewpoint. I think he should be held to account for saying crappy things. I know a lot of people agree with him in this country, no doubt about it. But I undoubtedly will stand with people who are LGBTQ. And I will say it loud because it's like, I don't know. I, I just feel like people have the right to love who they want to love. And uh, I'm not a big fan of Sean uh, bullying people. Uh, I understand what you're saying, though, in terms of when the question was asked. I don't think the thought process was Sean's going to have this really complex answer. It's going to be what happened. Yeah, I mean, look, I agree with everything you said there. But to me, it's one of these things that I see the way questions are asked. And it's one of those things that when you start to go down that line of questioning, it's like if you're interviewing Colby Covington and you and if you brought up Joe Biden, what do you think the response is going to be? And that to me is where, like, I get it's a part of the Sean Strickland story. And we'll talk more about this fight later on. But like I was telling Daniel before the show, I was watching the interview that that Sean Strickland had on the ESPN YouTube channel with Megan O'Leary. And one of the big top, I, my biggest takeaway from the interview was he talked about he doesn't watch fight film. He, he relies that on his coaches. But the other thing that, you know, it's like a, I, I don't know, it's like probably a 20 minute interview. And the th- my big takeaway from it was, I, I think for a lot of people in the mixed martial arts industry, that I think the problem is they don't understand the MMA audience. And to me, like, if you go out on a Saturday, this Saturday night to watch this pay-per-view, I think if you walk into any establishment showing this pay-per-view, I think there's going to be a lot of people who will be going for Sean Strickland. And it's not because of his viewpoints. I think it's the fact that they love the fact that he's willing to speak his mind. No matter, I mean, it's kind of like there's there's people who love Colby Covington. And it's because they look at him and, and he kind of has this, I'm going to say whatever I want to say, and I don't care what you think. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, he does care what people say because he can't even let the reporter finish a question without going on a tirade. And, and it's the, it's something that people like, but it's an idea that people like. He doesn't really live true to those values. He'll say whatever he wants to say, but he doesn't want to hear what other people want to hear. He wants his freedom, but he doesn't want other people to have their freedom. He wants all his guns. But he cares about – he doesn't want the government to be into his stuff, but he cares about what people's sexual orientation are, and and he would disown a gay son apparently. And it's just like, really? 
you know, he has strong opinions about trans rights. Yes, he does. But he's not here to listen to someone else's viewpoint. So, yes, he absolutely is an avatar for those fans. People love the idea of Sean Strickland. I don't think he the reality matches up with what he presents. But it doesn't matter what I think. You still have a whole crap load of people that love him for what he represents. My big point and my criticism of Sean Strickland and Colby Covington is I don't actually believe they are who they say they are in terms of representing the uh, I don't care about y'all, what y'all say. I'm just going to say it how it is. But if I hear any pushback, oh, my gosh, I'm a triggered snowflake. Oh, I think. on Sean. Look, I think you get a more authentic Sean Strickland than you get a Colby Covington. No doubt. But Sean, I mean, Colby Covington's about as authentic as a freaking lean cuisine. Okay? He's about as authentic. I mean, that dude, that dude is, is fake, man. He's, he's more fake than every other tweet you see on a viral tweet, right? It's like, oh, that's a fake account. I mean, Sean Strickland, I think, is authentic. Sean Strickland, I think, is a hell of a fighter. And I say those two things in that I think with Sean – he uh, he is who he is, but he's not as – he is who he is, but I feel like he's not as smart as he thinks he is, even though he pretends to be humble. But he's a damn good fighter. And so he's going to continue to get that platform and build it on top of it. And, and he'll continue to get a big fan base because, again, there's a lot of people that agree with what he's saying. I just personally do not. I, I just wonder if you are a fly on the wall in Dana White's office right now and he sees that interaction, like, what's his reaction? Like, it, it, do you think Dana's wife's reaction is like, yeah, Sean, F and tell the media what you think and tell them the F off? I think, I think, yeah, that's the culture of the UFC, no doubt about it. I mean, you know, that's why it was so funny when Colby went on Fox News to complain that it was rigged. I mean, there is no more conservative sport right-wing sport in this country than mixed martial arts. Anytime Joe Rogan has an MMA fighter on the podcast, you know vaccinations and masks will be brought up. I listened to the Sean Brady interview. We just got to wait an hour till I hear Sean Brady talk to me about vaccinations and masks and Joe Rogan tell me that scientific, scientifically it's not proven that masks work. Oh, God. And I'm like, I, it's like this is a, a right-wing space, and a part of the right-wing space is the media is the enemy. Get it right. Unless that's do, that's Dr. Rogan for you, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> unless, it's, unless it's, yeah, the media Dude, is the I, I, I literally was telling somebody this week, they were asking me about that, and they're like, hey, are you on Rumble? You see this stuff? I go, no, I'm not on Rumble. I go, like, I avoid that stuff. Like, I don't I don't care to take in content that's about COVID, vaccination. I, I'm, I'm just like, I have found myself, like, I used to watch cable news programs a lot. Probably more when when I, I'd probably say when when Trump was president. I probably watched it more then. I have found myself ever since I stopped watching that stuff. Like I'm much, I'm, I'm in a much better mood because like I feel like you turn that stuff on. It's just negative, negative, negative. Yeah, it, it is because negativity is what sells. I mean, just look at this story today. I kept on refreshing my Twitter to get different people's reactions to this story. I was more interested in this story than in any story today. What story the is Sean that? Strickland, the Sean Strickland story. Oh, okay. I saw Sean Strickland's the video, and I kept on looking at my ex to see what people's thoughts were. And eventually the For You page formulated around that. <laughs> that's how that's how society works, man. Dude, I tell you, I think TikTok's worse next. I'm Maybe. literally, it's tough. dude, I'm sitting there last night watching suits and I, you know, and I started scrolling through TikTok. What's the first, this video comes up. I put it up in my story last night. It's like, you know, how you dress season one, watching suits. Then you get the season two, season three. Now season four, you're on a full on suit watching the show. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> it, 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 it hears your thoughts. You don't even need to speak out loud and you'll see a TikTok. You think about something and it's on there. No doubt about it. You know, you think about an NFC championship game, it's on there. 
and I know you're thinking about getting there. You got one more week. Look at us, man. Look at us. Last week we were talking, we were hopeful, and both of our teams advanced to the next round of the playoffs. Yeah, man. It, I, I will tell you this, man. Obviously, man, your Texans look good on Saturday. I was watching that game and, and what they were able to do to to the Browns, those, those pick sixes that they had in that game. I mean, that the the uh, NRG Stadium looked absolutely electric. And uh, then, I mean, I watched I watched every playoff game this weekend. I mean, that obviously I'll be in Detroit uh, this upcoming weekend, and I'm sure that's going to be an electric atmosphere. Look electric on, on TV on Sunday night. And Ray J here in Tampa was absolutely electric on, on Monday night. And uh, yeah, man, you know it's. We're in the dance, and uh, you know we're we're in the final four in the conference, and uh, you know you're you're one win away from getting to the conference style game, and that's and that's all you can ask for, man. It's and it's one of those things of we we love sports, no, no matter what, or you know we're talking about mixed martial arts, football, whatever it may be, but when you get to the playoffs, it is just different. It's a different different atmosphere, you know. It's it's kind of like you know when you have like like an international fight week type event. It's just it's it's super special. And uh, man, that was uh, yeah, that, that was a great time on, on Monday night. And uh, you know, obviously, it's always great when you can walk away with the victory. And uh, and man, yeah, that was that was a fun night. Yeah, I feel like the Texans and the Bucks are the exact same type of team. I mean, if you went to a random football fan before the playoffs started and you said, "I need you to tell me which two divisions will no longer have a team in the playoffs after Week One," they would have said the AFC and NFC South. I mean, we both came out of the weakest divisions. And here we are in, in, in the second round. It's, it's uh, Both of us have really good you know, momentum heading into round two, feeling good about maybe doing the impossible. No one thought we would get this far, and here we are. I mean, I, uh, I was really happy to see the Texans do well against the Browns. They kicked their ass. They did. And, uh, man, your Buccaneers did so well against the Eagles. That defense that you all have is absolutely lights out. And it's really cool to see Baker Mayfield – be successful in the NFL. I mean, this is a guy I legitimately did not think was going to be able to continue to be a starter uh, at like like last season. You know, it kind of seemed like he was going to be a backup, maybe out of the league. And he showed that all he needed to do was to get a team believe in him. And now he's in the second round. So uh, I love that, man. I'm excited for your bucks. I hope, uh, you know, for me, Either way, Bucks or Lions, it's a good story. So it's a win-win for me on the NFC. But I'll be rooting for you just because uh, just you're my podcast partner. The, the Texans, they got a tough game against Baltimore. I don't know how we can stop Lamar Jackson. Everything after week one is just uh, it's it's uh, dessert because I'm so grateful for the season we've had. Yeah, man, it's it's exciting going up to Detroit. I don't know how much I'll leave the team hotel because it's going to be pretty cold. So I've just pulled the weather app on uh, Saturday. We got a low of one, high of seventeen. Then on Sunday, a low of eight, high of twenty four. So thank God Detroit plays inside a dome because this Florida boy does not want to necessarily go out of those elements. But yeah, man, it's uh, yeah, it's I, I know some of our northern listeners may be laughing at us right now, but us, us southern people, our southern boys, we uh, you know, it gets below forty degrees. You know, we're we're, we're putting on multiple layers and uh there, there's my buddy chris knows i i think it was the last time we went to detroit we were out and about and i said man and i see all these people wearing two jackets i looked at and go bro i do not want to live in a city where i gotta wear two jackets to go outside yeah i mean i'm like that today uh where i'm from in south texas it is uh 32 degrees so four layers on i have a couple things under here and i had a war another jacket and what you say is true man uh, us southern boys, we we don't like that weather when it turn that thermostat below sixty degrees. Hell no, and uh, it's been absolute hell. Even though it's been way colder than it down here. Yeah, man, it's actually been pretty cold here in Tampa. Uh, right now, as we do the show, it's fifty three degrees. I mean, cold for Tampa. <laughs> Let me just say that cold for Tampa. But yeah, it's uh yeah. So looking forward to be up there in Detroit on Sunday, and uh, obviously we'll probably be, uh you know put that ESPN Plus app on my phone to watch the fights here. Uh, something I want to mention here, you know. We mentioned about things we see on social media, and you know there was a game that I saw on social media that you wonder whether or not it was true or not, and I found it today. Have you heard about this game, Uno No Mercy? I have heard about this game. Yes, I mean, Uno, I, literally, I, I see these videos like this could end friendships. Like I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, like, hey, Friday night, you know, get get some friends together and you know, get some some drinks around a table and see who who could piss off who. I mean, that's crazy, isn't the whole situation where you have the one wild that gives someone ten cards? Uh, so yeah, you've got a, a plus ten, yeah. 
Yeah, it's uh, see the back of it says we've added some extra cards uh, with the way of tougher penalties. Draw ten cards, include new rules how you piling on penalties or even swapping hands. And there's even a mercy rule. Yes, we get the irony if things get too rough. So put your big boy pants on and leave your morals at the door. It's time to get merciless. Oh, and if you manage to get down to one card, don't forget to yell Uno. Yeah, it has a thing that says if you collect 25 cards in your hand, you're out of the game. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's that's hilarious. I uh, You got to let me know how it goes. I mean, I grew up playing normal Uno, so I guess there was a one executive who just had the brilliant idea of, hey, let's, uh, let's, let's make Uno that much more difficult. And, uh, yeah, let me know how it goes, man. That looks like the Flaming Hot Cheetos version of Uno. Yeah, very, very much. So I feel like uh, there could be you could piss off some friends here uh, pretty quickly. But, you know, Daniel, obviously the big news of this week will be UFC 297. No question about it. But uh, the, really the big news came, uh, what was it, yesterday when I initially uh, saw this uh, image come up on my Facebook feed. And then end up getting the press release from the PFL that notes that the PFL versus Bellator event is going to take place February 24th in Saudi Arabia. This will be the first of the PFL pay-per-view super fight series. It will be a part uh, here in the U.S. on ESPN Plus pay-per-view. Internationally, it will be on DAZN pay-per-view. Um, and, of course, we can get into the matchups. One of the, To me, the interesting thing about the quote here. Uh, this was the very first part of the quote from Peter Murray, one of the executives there at PFL. I just want to it, it stuck out to me. I'm guessing it's going to stick out to you as well. Quote, the Middle East is the fight capital of the world. Dude, I he might be right. And it's not because the fans want to see it. It's just because that's where we see all the big freaking fights because that's where the money is. And the money isn't there the way people, you know, people used to earn money in the fight game by putting on big fights and drawing large amounts of people that want to see these badass fights to an arena. Now in the fight game, you make a lot of money by helping Saudi Arabia do PR work. So that's the fight game. Saudi Arabia, the Middle East, it's the fight capital of the world. That's where if you put like what were the top 10 fights in boxing and mixed martial arts – I would be interested to see how many of those happen in the Middle East. But uh, it's funny you start there because that's the first thing I think about. When I look at this really good card, it's like, damn, every Saudi Arabia once again. Yeah, I mean, look, I I think when you look at the fight card lineup, it's a – I think it's for the most part – it is a PFL putting their best foot forward to put on a notable card. And, you know, when it was announced it was made and, and I went over to X to just kind of see how people were reacting to this one. And, you know, obviously I think one of the, the big um, the cons that you saw on X was, A, the fact that it's on pay-per-view. Don Davis was on Air Hawani show today, and he basically noted, he's like, look, this is the most expensive card we've ever put on. He was basically telling people, like, look, we can't put this on free TV. I understand the thought process why you put it on free TV to get more. I I, sh- I shouldn't say free TV because ESPN is not free. But I think if you had the ability to put it on ESPN, you would get much more eyeballs on the product. But the fact is, you got a lot of fires here making a ton of money. So I think they're pretty much in a they have to do pay per view here. I mean, look, there's there's one fight we wish was on this card that's not on the card, and to me, that's like if I'm going to offer any criticism of this card, it's the fact that we don't have Chris Cyborg versus Kayla Harrison on this card. Don Davis uh, was asked by Errol Hawani about that today and mentioned the fact of, um, you know, there was they, they had talked to the three ladies involved with this, being, you know, Chris, Kayla, also Pacheco. Pacheco was willing to fight anyone. Um, he said there was some timing issues. Obviously, Chris has got her boxing matchup. Did note that Kayla is currently injured. Says she has one fight left on her deal. Errol did kind of push back a little bit on that. I don't know how much, you know, there's maybe three sides of that story in terms of what's going on there. But the thing that I thought was interesting was he talked about uh, Chris Cyborg and her contract. And uh, whether this was Chris or whether was this someone from her team tweeted this, and I thought this was interested, uh, where she tweeted, I never turned down a fight against Pacheco at Don Davis PFL. I also do not have four fights remaining on the deal you inherited. At SRJ Sports, please ask our partner PFL MMA not to speak on my contract publicly as we are building our relationship. This is also the first I've heard. Obviously, the Chris Cyborg PFL relationship's off to a great start. Yeah, I mean, that relationship is just, 
it would be surprising to see Cyborg fight in the PFL. I hope it happens just because I want to see her fight Pacheco and Kayla. But uh, yeah, I mean that is a, that is a rough relationship, and I wouldn't be surprised if Chris is just content boxing, as she probably will just that weekend. When I look at the Kayla versus Cyborg fight not being on PFL versus Velator, I think the one upside of that of that happening is that. This very first event will be sold by the idea of PFL versus Bellator. So it already has that momentum. People are going to want to watch it for that. So you can save the appetizing fight, the biggest fight you could book, Cyborg versus Kayla, for your second outing. That's the one thing, is that you're saving another marketable fight for the next one when you already know you're going to get people invested in the first fight. Um, How many people will buy this show? I'm not entirely sure. I think it will certainly be... Much of uh, the biggest buy rate PFL has done will be this card. I think it has a lot of good momentum and, and people are very interested in these fights. I mean, this is a fight card for hardcore fans, but it's completely stacked. Every single pay per view fight is pretty interesting. AJ McKee and Clay Collar, Joel Romero, Tiago Santos, Vadim Nemkov, Bruno Capaloza, Magomed Magomed Karamov versus Jason Jackson. Patricio Pitbull, Jesus Pineda, Impa, Kasagane versus Johnny Eblen, Ryan Bader, Hennen Ferreira. These are all pretty damn good fights, not to mention Aaron Pico and Clarissa Shields on the prelims, plus uh, Ollie Walsh is, is fighting there too in his debut. When you look at this card, Jason, what's the number one fight that sticks out to you you want to see? I think it's it's Impa Kasagane versus Johnny Eblen. Impa going back down to 185 for this one. Um, that that one kind of sticks out to me. Um, Jesus Pinedo, Patricio Pitbull will probably be another one. Um, Clay Collar, Agent McKee could be really fun. Um, I'm interested to see what Ali Bali Walsh looks like in making his pro debut. I would imagine that this is probably a tailor-made matchup for him <laughs> in terms of, I mean, dude's got incredible hands on, on this one. But um, I would probably say those would be the matchups that, that uh, interest me the most. Yeah, I think... I think, you know, Pinedo and Patricio Pitbull will likely be the fight of the night. Mm-hmm. I, I think that one has a high probability. Like, Clay Collard, you know, is always going to bring it. But A.J. McKee might want to wrestle with Clay and, and make it not super exciting. So I think Pinedo Pitbull might be the fight of the night. You know, I'm interested in Bader and Hannah Ferreira just because if Ferreira is the real deal mm-hmm. and he puts away Ryan Bader – that's kind of a star-making performance. And yeah. when you look at Ferreira and his huge-ass frame and his build and everything, it's just like, damn, this dude looks like a beast. So it could be a platform for him to become an interesting name, but Ryan Bader is incredibly tough. Number yeah. one fight I'm looking forward to, though, is Jason Jackson and Magomed Magomed Karamov. Jason, okay. I feel like this is the, most, the best matchup. I think both these guys, I think Magomed Magomed Karamov might be – the most talented fighter on the PFL roster, not named Francis Ngannou, even though we never see Francis fight. Um, and Jason Jackson is looking like one of the top welterweights in the world after his big win over Amosov. So that's my number one fight to look forward to. Yeah, I, I would also say what, another interesting thing is Vadim Nemkov going up to 265 pounds. He has vacated the Bellator light heavyweight title, so we'll see what uh, Bellator uh, goes for with the light heavyweight division. By the way, speaking of Bellator, Don Davis, uh, in his appearance with Arahawani, did note that Bellator will return in March. He said that uh, approximately they'll do one event a month at the end of the year, that they will do six international events in 2024, two domestic events, and then every Bellator event will have two title fights that will be the main event and co-main event he uh, did notice that it did not announce about the tv distribution said they should have an announcement here by the end of february so we'll see what happens there but he did note that it'll be uh on a platform that has better distribution what bellator has been on i don't know how much that's really saying much because showtime didn't have great distribution uh there as well but um you know the big takeaway to me was him just saying like look we're, we're going to put on events that uh, paraphrasing what he said is we're putting on events that's going to get you to the television set. It said most of their events will be on uh, the Bellator events will be on Friday. Some will be on Saturday. Uh, did note for the upcoming season of PFL, all of their events will be on ESPN, ESPN plus on Friday nights. So that was kind of their, their night uh, for the most part for last year. So uh, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I think it's gonna be interesting 
and to me, PFL is one of the biggest stories in 2024 to see where this promotion goes. Like I was driving home last night and I, and I was thinking about this, Daniel, about, about the PFL. And, you know, we know the, the way, you know, the UFC has a stranglehold on this sport and, and they can create stars. Like can the PFL create, like if you went back to 2014, 2015, when we saw the rise of Conor McGregor, and obviously the UFC PR machine plays plays a big part of that. Connor plays a huge part of that as well. But it's like I, I do wonder like can the PFL create that as they want to be this co leader in the sport? And uh, I mean, look, they know it, this is thing's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take them a lot of time and you know a lot of resources to make it happen. But it was one of those things I was just wondering. I was like, could the PFL create a Conor McGregor? They definitely could, but it's less likely to happen in the PFL versus the UFC. They definitely could because a great a star can be created out of anywhere. Kimbo Slice became a star mm-hmm. in the backyards of Florida. And with the advent of social media, anyone can become a star. But as you mentioned, the UFC is more likely to find the next Connor because of their infrastructure. The PFL has less infrastructure and less eyeballs on the product, so it's much harder. But can they? Absolutely. Do they have stars on their roster? They do. Do those stars fight? They don't. So that's a problem. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Jake Paul, Francis Ngannou, they need those people in the cage to get people to watch. Um, I, I, I will say that when I look at competing with the UFC, it's going to – a promotion that competes with the UFC cannot make a decision – that the PFL made to put their show on pay-per-view. Don Davis said, we have a big payroll. We can't afford to put this on TV. So a promotion that's going to compete with the UFC needs to lose a lot of money for a lot of years. That is what it's going to take. And I'm not saying it's a good idea to start a business where you lose money, but I'm just straight up saying, if you want to compete with the UFC, you got to look at how Jeff Bezos built up Amazon. This was a man who made a company that was not making money for years. It was a 20-year vision he sold investors on, a 20-year vision, and it certainly paid off. So you need to lose money to make money, and the way you lose and the way you make money by losing money is by putting your fights on a platform where more people see it so those fighters become stars and more people watch your show. Well, it's like Dana White has said. I mean, it's kind of in a way it's his go-to line, and when especially when the fighter pay topic comes up, he says, "You don't like fighter pay? Go out and start your own promotion." And I mean, look, you're you're going to lose a lot of money. I think the PFL has lost a lot of money. I mean, I mean, if you look at you know all going back to, I mean, at the end of the day, the PFL has been around for much longer than they say they have been because they just took over the WSOF and rebranded it, um, you know. But they inherited all those contracts, whatnot. But I mean, look, it's going to take time, and and I hope the PFL can succeed because I mean, look, they are. I mean, let's be honest about it. How long would it have taken Olivier Aubin Mercier to make two million dollars fighting in the UFC? I don't even know, man. I don't Five years, know, ten years. I mean, depending on how you saved your money. I mean, yeah. I mean that that's the thing about it. And so I'm I'm kind of interested to see what goes on there. Uh, now, Don Davis did note that they are targeting to have Kayla versus Chris in the summer. Kind of noted about being a co-main event of a pay-per-view headlined by Francis Ngannou, which uh, I guess we're going to see what happens uh, in March with Francis Ngannou because if Francis Ngannou shocks the world and defeats Anthony Joshua, I don't think we ever see him in MMA. No, we will never see him. We may never see him in another boxing ring because if he beats Anthony Joshua – he, he may just be the richest man in the world. I mean, yeah, if he beats Joshua, we'll never see him fight MMA because his next fight will be, like, for so much money. And, and for the rest of his career, he'll be a made man. Yeah. I, I, mean, got a, I got a dumb question for you. Okay. How many people, and I don't know the answer, but maybe it's just for the next podcast. How many people do you think fought in World Series of Fighting that are still on the PFL roster? They're still in the PFL roster. I have one name so far. I'm, I'm going through these cards. I, I got I. I there, let me let me pull up the PFL roster. Um, I can't imagine funny. they're they're. I don't. I I mean, Karamoff. I don't think he would have been in in 
Which the one? WSOF? Who? Magma Karamov? That's the one name. <laughs> That's the one name I found. You nailed it. Okay. Magma Karamov fought on the, on the last WSOF card, WSOF 33. I'm just looking at Chris. Nah, Chris Way was probably PFL. I don't think he was WSOF. I don't think he was either. I'm going through these cards. I'm, I'm, I'm going. going I'm cards. just going through the the PFL roster on their website. Um, just see if there's maybe someone else that sticks out to me. Um, Damn! Remember when Phoenix Jones was in the World Series of Fighting? Yeah. Apparently, there was a World Series of Fighting versus Philippines card that I just never never saw. Yeah, I mean, I'm going through on the roster. No one sticks out to me. But, I mean, yeah, you're talking so about what was the last World Series of Fighting event, five years ago? Yeah, 2017. So the, another one we might see because he's in Bellator now is Islam Mamadov. He uh, competed at a World Series of Fighting 22 event. So, yeah, 2017 was the last one. Yeah, I'm just, I, I just pulled up the old – I'm doing the Daniel approach going here with also, the, with the Wikipedia. Also, Juan Archuleta, Juan Archuleta fought on World Series of Fighting 19. So we will likely see him in this new roster. Yeah, I saw. Uh, I mean, was it? I think it was Juan Archuleta had a had a tweet today about basically talking about um, how the fact that they're back on design. I want to say it was Juan Archuleta, but uh, yeah, I was trying. I'm trying to because uh, I pulled up WSF 31. That was obviously not their last event. Phil Halls was on that one. Yeah, well, she got his ass knocked out pretty bad. Poor dude. Did you say WSF 33 was the last one? Uh, I don't know. It was in 2017. 35, Ivana versus Jordan. And uh, I've basically gone through all their cards. And the only active one is Magomed Karimov. And then we have two fighters that will likely join the ranks in uh, Mamadov and uh, Juan Archuleta. Yeah. By the way, I just because I I just started. I'm on the Wikipedia uh, rabbit hole. Do, have you seen John Fitch lately? No, I haven't. He's got a long hair now, like past his shoulders. I, I saw a pop up on my on my ex the other day. Wow, that's uh, yeah, that's surprising. I I got to look it up. Uh, yeah, I haven't thought about John Fitch in a while. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, I saw that over there. But yeah, it's. It's obviously been a long time, but uh, Daniel, uh, we do have a UFC pay-per-view come here on Saturday, UFC 297. Of course, uh, UFC up in Canada, in Toronto. Of course, uh, we've got two title fights. Sean Strickland defending the middleweight title against Drake's two plus C's. And then, of course, we've got the uh, women's bantamweight title with vacant belts up on the line. we got Raquel Pennington take on Bueno, bueno Silva. Uh, I did uh, see a little clip from... Um, from a uh, Juliana Pena today talking about the fact that she knows she's going to get uh, the winner in this matchup. And of course, uh, I, I think there are some outside of the title fights. Uh, I think there's some interesting matchups that do stick out to me. I think Arnold Allen versus Movar Ivalev. Uh, Charles Jordan, Sean Woodson, I do like just stylistically. I think it should be a fun matchup here. But Daniel, we, as we talk about, obviously, there's, there's one title fight people are going to be much more interested in than the other. But I did find this little nugget as I was doing some little research here today. So when we look at these uh, title fights in the middleweight division, the women's bantamweight division, the last time we had a women's bantamweight fight, title fight, that did not involve Amanda Nunez, we got to go all the way back to 2016 UFC 196, March the 5th, 2016. That was Holly Holm versus Misha Tate. That is insane. That is absolutely insane. What a reign of freaking dominance from Amanda Nunez. The other stat is on the middleweight title. This is the first middleweight title fight to not involve Izzy since UFC 217, November the 4th, 2017. That was Michael Bisping versus George St. Pierre. You know, that one shocks me. I mean, I know Aden Sanya was involved in the title picture for a long time, but to say it's been six years... It, it's, it's a bit stunning to me. Yeah, absolutely crazy. But, uh, yeah, fresh faces. It's going to be interesting to see how well this goes on pay-per-view. Um, I'm excited for the main event. Strickland DDP is a pretty exciting middleweight fight. Uh, women's Bantamweight Championship fight. I'm not super excited for it, but I will say this much. Throughout this week, the quotes 
Ademir Bueno Silva mm-hmm. have been making me like her a lot. She's been very self-deprecating and funny and candid. And I'm like, this fighter has a great personality. And it's also paired up with a finishing ability in her fights. She's a very exciting fighter to watch fight. So I do think Myra Bueno Silva has some potential to be an interesting name atop the 135-pound weight class. I've been very impressed with her the more we get to know about her this week. Yeah, I just feel like whoever wins the title on Saturday is just keeping the belt warm for Juliana Pena. I mean, I just... I don't know, bro. I don't know, bro. The thing is, if Juliana takes down Bueno Silva, I think Bueno Silva could tap her. Like, that's that's how I think that fight plays out. I don't know, though. We'll see. You're right, though. Juliana, I mean, it depends what kind of Juliana Pena fights. The one who fought Amanda the first or second time. Because the one who fought her the second time, she ain't winning no title, buddy. <laughs> That's just, I mean, but look, like, to me, if you're buying this pay-per-view, I will say this. My top two fights on the pay-per-view, I would go one Strickland DDP. My number two fight would be Aaron Allen and, and Evelev. I'm, that's a damn good fight, bro. I, I'm excited for Arnold Allen and Evlev, and, you know, it, it's a pretty important fight for both guys. You you look at them, and it's like Evlev is a freaking beast, and Allen is just not getting an easy matchup following his last fight. You feel bad for him. I mean, he's just thrown straight into a killer, a guy who might run through him. But uh, it's it's a tough fight, man. I, I'm, I'm leaning towards Evlev. I feel bad for Arnold Allen, but it's going to be – that to me is a number two fight, and it's I, like not close. I think stylistically, I just think it's it's not an ideal matchup for Arnold Allen. I, I think if it was he was taking on a guy that you would expect to go out there and have a striking matchup with him, it'd be a little bit more of a, a fight that would be beneficial to him. But I think Evlev's going to look to take this one to the ground, and I do think Evlev is going to walk away with the victory. Uh, Chris Curtis, uh, uh, Mark Andre Barrio. I mean, look, Chris Curtis is always a fun guy to watch fight and then i mean look you got neil magny i mean sorry neil you're you're a gatekeeper at this point and uh they're putting up him against mike moth the canadian who's a four to one betting favorite in this one i mean i, I think we kind of see how that one's going to go but you know as I, I look at the main event here with, with sean strickland and ddp and i watched both their interviews with with uh, on espn's youtube channel uh, john anik did the one with ddp and, and megan olivi did the one with sean strickland uh, the two takeaways I take away from the interviews, A, the takeaway from the Sean Strickland interview is the fact that he talks about he just doesn't watch tape. He, he relies on his coaches, and there are some fighters that do that. They just would rather their coaches, and obviously it's worked out very well for Sean Strickland. And my big takeaway from the DDP interview was him talking about the fact of he knows he needs to keep Sean on his back foot. He says when you know you you don't allow him to be the aggressor, he's a different fighter. And I mean, look, there is clear there is one guy who I believe has a power advantage, and there's one guy that I believe has the the dirt the the longevity. And what I mean by that is, if this fight goes into the third, fourth, fifth round, I do think it, it very much favors Sean Strickland. Now. I mean, look, we, we've seen DDP go out there and blitz, and look, I didn't think he would go out there and do what he did to Robert Whitaker. And look, the betting odds, I think, are very indicative of how I kind of think about this matchup. Like, I'm not, you know, I think it's almost like a 50-50 kind of fight here in this one. I, like, if you tell me this fight is going to end via knockout in the f- between the first and the third round, I think we're seeing and new. Now, if you tell me that this fight is going to go five rounds, I think we're going end still. I think that's a pretty good way to put it because Sean is so damn tough to touch up. I mean, that's the one thing about him, and you, and you saw it in the in the Izzy fight. He is one hell of a fighter when it comes to winning rounds throughout 25 minutes. He's just – all the sparring shows up come fight night, and his head movement – is really impressive. It's hard to touch this dude up. I have on the fence. I think this is a really great matchup for the middleweight championship. Both these guys are freaking great talents. I think it's going to be entertaining, more entertaining than Izzy and Sean. I, I think DDP is less likely to be as thrown off as Izzy was because DDP has the benefit of watching the Izzy tape and seeing what Sean did in that fight. And I think that the one thing is, though, I'm more confident in Sean's ability to adjust from his original game plan versus DDP's ability to adjust from his original game plan because of how much experience Sean has sparring. I've gone back and forth 
but I'm going to end up picking DDP to win this fight. And the reason being is I feel like Strickland may have just peaked with the fight against Izzy. It's really hard once you climb the top of the mountain to keep on climbing. You spend a little more time popping fireworks, a little less time in the gym. Makes me concerned, especially whenever you're going up against someone who is approaching his personal peak of his journey. This is like everything, all my eggs in the basket. This is my moment of my life, you know. The hardest fight isn't the championship fight. The hardest fight is the first title defense. I'm picking DDP to win. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I've kept going back and forth on this one. And I may go back and forth all the way till Saturday. I mean, as we sit here on a Wednesday evening, like, I sit there and go, God, it's hard for me to bet against an Eric Nixick fighter at this point. It really is. But then I also think about, like, even though I, I really like um, what Sean Strickland does defensively boxing, I just wonder if, if DDP just kind of wears him down with some of these massive strikes and, and that guard kind of comes down. I mean, as I sit here on a Wednesday night, I think Duplessis gets the job done. But, like, it's really hard for me to bet against Eric Nixick. But, like, as I sit here right now, I think DDP is my pick at, at this point. Yeah, so congratulations to Sean Strickland. We both <laughs> picked DDP. He's winning. I got to ask you, this is the one thing that sticks out to me on this fight card. Okay. Are we sure Mike Malad is going to just run through Neil Magny? I don't know if I would say he runs through Neil Magny. Like when we talk about best bets for UFC 297, I might be looking at Mike Malad wins via decision. Dude, I'm looking at Neil Magny straight up. Here's the thing. I know that I'm stupid for this pick because the people who make these fights know what they're doing. And they're making this fight. That's communicating to me this is a showcase fight for Mike Malaw in his home country. The thing is with Mike is like the step up in competition with the dudes he beat to Neil Magny is like massive. Like in the UFC, Mike Mallott beat Mickey Gall, Johan Lanise, and Adam Fugit. Those are his three wins. And now he's taking on Neil Magny, who's fought basically every single person who's been in the welterweight division in the UFC. So I'm stupid for doing this because I'm just falling for the trap because we see it time and again. You have the up-and-comer matched up with the name veteran. The name veteran loses nine times out of ten. But screw it, Jason. I'm going with the dog, Neil Magny. I I think Mike Millard hasn't proven himself to be a freaking minus – let me get the number right – a minus 345 favorite against Magny. Put some respect on Neil's name. Yeah, when you look at Mike, you know, five of his last six fights have been in the first round. His last fight in the second round. Last time he went to a decision, we got to go back all the way to 2015 in Bellator 142 when he had a draw. That is the only time he has ever made it to the third round. I mean, he has been a finisher, but it's one of those things that I kind of think about the durability of Neil Magny thinking this fight could go to a decision. Uh, that's why uh, looking at Neil Magny plus, or excuse me, looking at Mike Malop plus 450 to win via decision. I, I think if you were looking to maybe place a bet on this fight, that may be the route you want to go. Or maybe you think he knocks him out, plus 300, so you got a little bit of a nice odds there on terms of him. Um, Bueno Silva and Raquel Pennington, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think this is Bueno Silva's fight to lose in, in terms of this one. Um, you know, Obviously, she's a rightful favorite. Uh, I would probably, in that one, it's women's MMA. So, um, I mean, you're not getting really great odds. I mean, even if you go over three and a half rounds, it's minus 180. So you're still not getting great odds on terms of that one. But uh, I do like Bueno Silva to walk away with the victory there. Give me Bueno Silva via submission plus 165. Okay. I like uh, it. I think throughout five rounds, she gets the tap. Yeah. I would also say uh, I kind of like Chris Curse go out there and get a stoppage victory. I think he can go out there and get a TKO victory. And Chris Curse via TKO KO plus. 240 in terms of that one. Uh, Jordan and Woodson, I think, is going is potentially has the, the uh, recipe to be a fun fight to uh, stand up, guys. Uh, that's one of the ones I, I talked about a couple weeks ago here on the podcast. So you got Jimmy Flick returning from uh, you know, that the quote unquote retirement. We, we know those don't work in MMA. <laughs> you know, you know, never, never believe retirement. So, I mean, I, I did see a thing, I guess. Uh, People are now quite, I guess, Javier Mendez made some comments somewhere, and people are wondering maybe if Habib is maybe trying to make a comeback at welterweight. 
Not surprised, mother ever. <laughs> okay. Bro. That's your main event for UFC 300. I, 100%. That would be the fight to main event UFC 300. Like, when Dana White was talking about a super fight back in the day, remember, he was like, it doesn't involve Connor. Yeah, yeah. Straight up, that's the fight. Like, like I, I, like a light bulb went off. You look at the UFC 300, and, and we had some fights announced. Yep. It's an amazing card. Gagey Mahalloway, but it's missing that one fight that's like, bro, you need to see this. It's a steak dinner. Like, that's what UFC 300 needs. Straight up, Habib versus Leon, that's that fight. Habib's return, that's that fight. Jason, Dude, that's my prediction. I'm just saying, like, if you're Lock below Muhammad, in. I'm just saying, if you're below Muhammad, if that were to happen, it's time for you to find new management. <laughs> because it's not good if you're represented by the same people represent Habib. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Because who do you think they're going to bat for? You or Habib? Yeah, yeah, you're not wrong about that. Yeah, maybe it'll be at like WWE. Maybe it can be a triple threat match. Um, I mean, so look, that's my prediction. UFC 300, Leon Habib. Let's go. I'm looking at three the Wikipedia for UFC 300. Of course, Gaethje and, and Holloway for the BMF title was announced. Jim Miller versus Bobby Green was also announced for this one. But, like, like it is a, a very fun-looking car. But, yeah, I understand where there's going to be a lot of MMA fans that look at this and go, where is that holy crap fight? I mean, I mean, look, you can say Gaethje Holloway is, a, is in that discussion point. But, like, to me, it's still missing, like, that that really huge fight. Yes, exactly. And once it gets that really huge fight, then you're going to really be impressed with the card because every single fight on that card is a pay-per-view quality fight. But it's just missing the fight that the fans can't wait to see, the fight that we go to bed thinking about. You know, I might go to bed and think about Gaethje Holloway, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have the juice of a big money fight. Mm -hmm. That Gaethje Holloway fight is a... That's a guaranteed fight of the year banger. That is a fight befitting of the BMF title, no doubt about it. But it's not the juicy steak. It's not the uh, Nganu Jones. But Habib Leon, and really primarily it's selling. The selling point is the return of Habib Nurmagomedov. Mm -hmm. That is the fight to make for UFC 300. I think that's the fight. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, kind of, you know, one of the fights that people had kind of talked about made for 300 was also could Alice Bahia defend his light heavyweight title. And Maga Ankalaev made his case last Saturday night. I mean, boy, you, you talk about there going out there and making a statement and saying, I should be the next guy. He made the statement out there. Now, of course, a lot of this thing's going to play into Jamal Hill when he can truly return. How quickly does Alex want to fight here? But I think that it is one of those things where um, you, if you're Anka Live, you could not have made a better case to get a title shot with that performance last Saturday night. Yeah. Anka Live might be the best I have boy in the world. He has a case. I know Nimkov's up at heavyweight. But he also had a case. Jamal Hill has a case. And, of course, Alex Pereira has a case. There's about five people on the planet at 205 that have a case, not to mention John Jones, who I'm not sure can make that cut anymore. But uh, Uncle Iev has a case. All he did was systematically beat down Johnny, dropped him with two big shots and put him out, and a uh, phenomenal stoppage by the referee. Um, you know, you look at the fight night card, Jason, uh, my – Quick takeaways is what a beautiful story we saw from Jim Miller. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mario Batista-Simone was a really fun fight. Um, Out of all the fighters with the most upside, I'm going to go with either Joshua Van with his boxing or, honestly, really impressed with Gene Silva against Weston Wilson. I think the other take point has got to be Mel Cop missing weight once again, and a guy that you could have literally potentially made a case that if he went out there and had a memorable performance uh, against uh, Nikolai, that he might have been next for a flyweight title fight. And now you've missed weight again, 
And, uh, I mean, look, he, I, I know there was talk about there was some illness, but, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's your job to make way here, and, and this is now the second time it's happened. And, and, and I don't blame Nikola for not accepting a fight. When your opponent misses weight by 3.5 pounds at 125 pounds, and we've seen him miss weight before and go out there and get a knockout, I don't blame him for saying, no, I'm not going to take this fight. You you signed a contract, said that you're going to make 125 uh, plus one pound. You didn't do this, so I'm not going to take the fight. Yeah, more often than not, Manil Kopp, he's making headlines outside of the cage and inside of it, and uh, he lost a big opportunity. He did say he was very sick, which is an understandable excuse. You know, Juan Archuleta said the same thing uh, for his most recent Ryzen fight, and I can't imagine what it would be like to try and make a massive weight cut while you are ill. Seems incredibly difficult. Now, Jason, one thing is I just got to get this in. I, I talked about wanting to talk a little non-UFC and whatnot. Just get this in. I, I saw some LFA 174. I saw some one fight night 18. And the two fighters that stuck out to me, LFA 174. Get excited for Quang Lee, uh, 145. The catchweight, it was a catchweight about at 140. Great head kick knockout over Cody Peterson. Thought that was a hell of a performance. Dude's undefeated at 7-0. and And a one-fight night, 18. G- give it up for Quan Wong Il. Just a dominant ground-and-pound victory. 14-4 uh, at 145 as well. And lastly, at LFA 174. Uh, the one thing that jumped out to me also was uh, this fight – at uh, 115, Jade Sheely and Kendra McIntyre. So Jade had an arm bar on Kendra McIntyre, and uh, McIntyre defended it, Jason, by kicking Kendra in the face. I mean, she kicked her two times uh, and uh, got disqualified. So that stuck out to me from LFA 174. Yeah, but man, I, I would tell you this, man. I'm I'm looking forward to sitting there. I don't have to wake up early on, on Sunday morning because the game's at three o'clock Eastern time, and uh, so I can kind of just sit there. I I, I would imagine probably just because the weather probably not going very far from. I may not leave the the, the team hotel. I may just uh, find my way downstairs and uh, you know bring the iPad with me and, and put ESPN Plus on on it and order the pay per view. I I did see. Uh, I didn't take advantage of it, but um, they were actually offering ten dollars off. Uh, the pay per view. If you if you purchase it, uh, I want to say maybe like maybe it was like like by Monday or something. I thought that was kind of interesting that ESPN Plus was offering uh, a discount to buy this one. Maybe maybe that is their way of saying, oh uh, yeah, we kind of know that maybe this is not going to be the best selling pay per view. Bro, I freaking didn't even see the deal because I opened my app and accidentally immediately clicked off of it, and I kept on refreshing it, and I couldn't see the pop up. I so. I saw I saw I want to say I saw an ad maybe on Facebook. Oh crap! I, it, mine was like a pop up, so I had no I had no idea until right now what the ad yeah. said. All I know was I opened my app and it came up and whatnot. Look, when you work in restaurant marketing and you're on Facebook and Instagram a lot of the day, you kind of you, you kind of see these things. Yeah, well, I was oblivious and I missed my opportunity. Now I have ten more dollars in the hole. But yeah, I'm excited. I'll be watching it uh, Saturday. My Texans are playing, and uh, so. Uh, I mean, it, it, um, you could you could either really be celebrating or you kind of be like, damn, the season's over. I know. Probably going to be the latter, to be honest with you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, also well, I'm gonna, the question is, what's the weather going to be like in Baltimore? I think that's probably the first thing to think about. Yeah. You, you, hope, you hope it's not like that weather they had for uh, the Steeler game at the last week of the year where it was all rainy. You hope, you, hope I, it's, uh, you hope it's a clear day. Yeah, but also if the weather's bad, maybe that makes it more like upset potential because you need their offense can get going. But uh, obviously the Ravens are more accustomed to their own weather. I think uh, the other thing is I'm going to be in Laredo, Texas. Okay. I'm going to be wrestling at this thing called Menudo Bowl. Okay. Uh, uh, it's I think it's a festival for Menudo, which is like a, a – I don't know. Do you know what Menudo is? No. Yeah. Uh, Menudo is like – so it's, a, it's a, like a Mexican soup situation okay. that is very popular in South Texas. All right. It, you, you drink it, especially during the winter times. And so, uh, yeah, in Laredo, it's called Menudo Bowl. So I think just a lot of people are making Menudo. Okay. Uh, show starts at around like lunchtime. So hopefully my match is before the Texans game. But at the very end, everyone is like in a big battle royale. So, uh, yeah, I'll be watching that. And then I'll probably be having the fights on in my car as I drive home. First battle royale? 
Uh, yeah, actually, basically my first battle royal as like a normal wrestler. Yeah, so we'll see. It's like the Royal Rumble, but for Menudo. Yeah, you're a week after the Royal Rumble here, it's uh, here in uh, St. Petersburg. Damn, that's one of my favorite uh, wrestling events of the year. I mean, it's so much fun. You just never know what's going to happen. The UFC should do a card like this, although it's probably impossible. But uh, the UFC should do a card where they just don't tell anyone who's fighting. You just watch the card, and then you just get stunned. You just get stunned at who comes out. Who, who's just going to walk out? Now, the, the countdown? Everyone's counting yes. down. Five, four, three, two, one. That's how you save the ultimate fighter. <laughs> yeah, that's – or, okay, they should just have one fight. They should have one mystery opponent. Like, they should just be like, all right, this one fight on the main card is Jim Miller versus mystery opponent. Imagine if that was UFC 300. If we didn't know who Jim Miller's opponent was, we turn it on, and then all of a sudden BJ Penn comes back, and he's fighting Jim Miller, you know. Yeah, that's uh... – Frankie Edgar back at lightweight versus Bro. Jim Miller. It's it's crazy thing when Jim Miller is still out here doing it forty years old. Bro, I mean, he's I, looking I, I, good. I mean, obviously, he's not fighting the top of this division, but it's still crazy thing about this guy. It's been UFC for what sixteen years, whatever it's been. Yeah, yeah, man, and he he's looking good. He looked good against Benita. Solid, sound game, and he's getting the finish. Yeah, I was watching a little bit of uh, DC and RC last night, and they were kind of going down that whole rabbit hole, that debate of is Jim Miller Hall of Famer and. Daniel Cormier is on the fence of he doesn't think Jim Miller's a Hall of Famer. And, you know, I used to kind of say no to Jim Miller being a Hall of Famer because I think the Hall of Fame should be for the great of the greats. He's a very good fighter. But if you've never fought for a UFC title, never got into a number one contender matchup, should that be a criteria for getting in the UFC Hall of Fame? I don't think so because I think every Hall of Fame should have special cases. But more often than not, that should be the standard yeah. that you're held to. You'd But Jim is an extraordinary well, case. If you had a MMA Hall of Fame that was not a promotional Hall of Fame, I think it would take a very long time for Jim Miller to get in. Yeah, but man, dude, this is crazy. He has the most fights in UFC history at 43. He won fight of the night seven freaking times. Most wins in UFC history. Second most finishes in UFC history. I mean, that's that's history that he's doing, but you're right. He never went to that elite level, but damn. He, if he beats Bobby Green at 40 years old, he's going to be freaking 6-1 in his last seven fights. Granted, a lot of his opponents haven't been that great, but that's still freaking impressive. I was just going to try to look up here. Best MMA lightweight fighters of all time. He's probably like, where would Jim Miller be on that list? Maybe like 15 to 20 because all right. Number one is Habib. Obviously Mahachev's up there. BJ Penn is up there. Frankie's up there. Gray Maynard is up there. That's five. I'm sure Connor's up there. Nate Diaz is better than Jim Miller, seven. Okay, so this is on Fight Matrix. He's not even in the top 35, which is kind of surprising to me. Yeah, maybe top 15 is way too – yeah, you're right. I mean – Okay, here's who they have as top 10. Habib, BJ, Alvarez, Poirier, Benson, DeBronx, Edgar, Machev, RDA – Ferguson. Yeah, all those make sense. And there's a lot of people like Anthony Pettis is someone that I would put over Jim Miller in terms of his peak. Yeah, so maybe he's on a top 40 lightweight of all time. That's 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 a tough case right there for him. Yeah, I mean I mean look, it's always going to be a you know, who you talk to. I just found a tapology one here. Let me see. Where is Jim Miller? They only have 16 here. Oh my God. Okay, so I'm, I'm sorry. 
Uh, so it says ranking designed by Taylor underscore three three five all time greatest UFC lightweight fighters. So I scroll down, but then I scroll back up here. It says view other user designated rankings. Uh, it says top sexiest female fighters only in MMA. <laughs> only Jesus in MMA. Christ. What website is that? Topology. It apparently, is a, it was a user created uh, list. Um, Jingo. But yeah, like like if you sat there and and you 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 took time to really go down top lightweight fires of all time, you know, not just UFC, but all time. I, 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 don't, a, I think it'd be very hard that that Jim finds his way into the top twenty five. But I mean, look, I, I think there is something to say about the longevity that he's had. I mean, like I, I think he will go in because it's a promotional Hall of Fame. But I think if it was an overall sport of MMA, I think it would take a very long time for him to get in. Oh, bro, you never know. Maybe Jim's about to be like Adrian Beltre and peak late in his career. Maybe Jim Miller will challenge for the lightweight championship. You never know. Uh, if he beats I mean, Bobby Green, he's cooking with peanut oil. That, that's the thing. If he goes out there and beats Bobby Green, they're going to give him like a top 10 type matchup. I mean, Bobby's, I think Bobby's like 15 right now. If I'm, I'm pulling up the UFC rankings, but I'm pretty sure yeah, Bobby's in the top 15. Ranked before the Jalen Turner fight, so um, I think he is. Bobby Green is ranked 14. So let's just say he beats Bobby Green. He, here are the guys ranked above Bobby Green. Hinata Mancano, RDA, Benoit Saint-Denis, Dan Hooker, Jalen Turner, Rafael Fiziev, Benil Darius, Matias Gamrat, Michael Chandler, Armin Sarukian, Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira. Yeah, there's not a lot of guys I think he would beat, but, uh, but I think for... The- but I think the UFC has done a great job matching him up and, and you know, basically putting him in these, you know, kind of, you know, he's, he's, a, he's at the end of his career. We both know it. He's yeah, on the back nine. Damn. I mean, he may be on the back three at this point. Yeah, I mean, he might retire UFC 300. That'd be a hell of a way to go out. But if he wins at UFC 300, you know he's not retiring. Come on, Daniel. You've been around this sport way too long. Yeah, I know. Which is so surprising that Robbie still stayed retired. But yeah, plenty I mean, of time to go. Leaves, plenty of time. Plenty of time. You're right about that. But yeah, I mean, we still have Luis Palomino out here doing really well in uh, bare knuckle boxing. You know, <laughs> I don't know if you saw this when they did the uh, the uh, press conference for um, the Eddie and um, Mike Perry fight. Palomino's in the uh, like. He's like, when are y'all going to fight me? And Eddie Alvarez like, dude, I don't make the fights, man. I just signed the contract where they tell me to fight. He goes, you should be asking me that question. You should be asking the promoter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. That's MMA, bro. It just is. These things <laughs> These things happen in combat sports. Yes. I, I did, I did find it uh, an interesting comment that Eric. Uh, had the uh, today where he was like talking about people complaining about having to buy Peacock to watch the NFL game. It's like, hey, for us combat sports fans, we're used to over here uh, forking over 50, dollars $50, to watch a whole fight card. Uh huh. <laughs> it, it, it's it's pricey, man. It's an expensive habit. Yeah. But I, I was I will say this though, as I was watching that game on Saturday night, I was thinking, good lord, I would hate to be working the sidelines. Yeah. And standing out that for, I, I was listening to the Kelsey Bird podcast today, and and Travis was talking about it, and he's like, he's like, man, he goes, I would literally come out of the game for a play, run over to the, the heated area just to warm my hands up. Dude, I feel bad for the person who's a sideline reporter, but I feel even worse for the sideline camera operator. You're the one yeah. using your hand. Well, yeah, you you have to, yeah, you you've got to have the right gear, and, and the one thing we always tell our sideline guys is the last, don't let your feet get cold, because once your feet get cold, eh, there's no coming back from that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, that, I I I just saw that. I like I would be miserable. Like I would seriously be miserable. Thank God I'm a booth guy. <laughs> you know, where, know the heater, right? where the heater's at. Yeah, yeah. If I was an offensive or defensive coordinator, I would be a booth guy for that game. I would uh, be calling the players to go up in the booth that game. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that is the way. As my buddy Chris goes, he like goes, Jason, effing booth guy over here. He gets away from the elements. Like, yeah, <laughs> do this for twenty years. That's what happens. That's called being a veteran. 
Yeah, that that is. I mean, well, hey, it's going to be cold in Detroit on, on this weekend. It's an indoor stadium, so uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's it's been a um, it's been a while since we've been to Detroit. I mean, wish it was a little warmer. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> you know, wish it was going to be a little bit warmer. But yeah, hopefully, uh, come back and we, you know, hopefully we're uh, get, go out there and the Bucks can get a victory, and then we're on to the MC title game. That's that's uh, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah, fun time man, of the year. I think. I think we're due for some good games after this past week. It was a lot of blowouts, so hopefully we get some competitive close games. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Who knows? Yeah, you know, yeah. we, we'll, we'll both of our teams be alive next week. Hope so. Hope so. That's, that's a hope, man. <laughs> yeah, and they will meet in the finals. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a hope, man. Yeah, yeah. My bank account would love that too. <laughs> yeah, another game more paychecks. More paychecks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know how this goes in this production life. You know, first off, like my first goal is we have a good broadcast and we have no technical problems. The second goal is the Bucks go out there and get a victory. Yeah, because that means you get a little more cheddar next week, and it's just damn fun. Damn fun to be yeah. at big games. I can only imagine what it was like to be at the Tom Brady Super Bowl and an opportunity to do it again. Hell yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will say this: before that Super Bowl game, the best sporting event I'd ever been to was Game Seven of a Stanley Cup Finals. And there's, and hockey is one of the sports like I think TV takes so much out of it. Like watching hockey in person is so much different, so much mm-hmm. different. By the way, I don't know if you heard yeah. of the good news. Uh, by the way, speaking of sports broadcasting, I don't know if you heard the good news today. What's that? Amazon Prime has oh, yeah. made a minority investment into uh, Bally Sports, and apparently Bally Sports is going to be on, on Prime Video. Yes. That's awesome. I'm all in on that. I already canceled my Bally Sports subscription. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a Bally Sports subscription, but I do have Amazon Prime. I would just get Bally Sports to the regional sports network. But, uh, yeah. yeah well, here here in Tampa, um, I have YouTube TV, so Bally Sports is not um, – is not on it. I think oh, there's yeah. like I think I think maybe Spectrum Cable has uh Bally's here. I think they're the only one that has it. Maybe DirecTV yes. has it too. Spectrum is what I had when I lived with my parents, and that and they had it. But I think now my new uh, now that I moved into this apartment, I actually don't even think I have Bally Sports. So it's perfect timing for me. Got to watch my Rangers on Amazon Prime. Let's get it. Yeah, yeah, man. I, I saw that news today. I was like, man, that is awesome news. That's absolutely awesome news. But, of course, as always, we appreciate everyone tuning in for the podcast. Of course, uh, new podcast comes out every week. Typically on Wednesday nights is, is when it comes out. I mean, it could be a Thursday night, depending on what me and Daniel's schedule is looking like. So we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of podcast. And we'll be back here next week as we'll talk about everything happening at UFC 297 everything else going on in the world of mixed martial arts. <laughs>